0: I'm we'll to start out by saying good morning. morning. I, am, I am so very glad to see uh, everybody here today, and I truly mean that. Uh, we're here to encourage each other and be encouraged by each other. So, really, I'm glad to see you here. Our, t- the text that uh, was read for us this morning, we're actually going to... I'm going to kind of be like North when he does a Bible class. I, I'm, I can't be tied to one spot here. Uh, but um, we're going to focus on verse 9. But I want to illustrate the first eight verses by using a concept that I think most of us here are very familiar with. Alright, raise your hands if you know what a hula hoop is. Nobody knows what a hula hoop is? Oh, yeah. A hula hoop. Yeah, okay. So, and we're familiar with the Distance that we were supposed to employ during the pandemic. How many feet was that? Six. Six. I want you to think of you wearing a 12-foot hula hoop. Alright? So, as you can imagine, uh, we've got this around us. And everything that was mentioned there in Romans those first few verses, I am supposed to present my body a living and holy sacrifice. Who am I presenting that to? The context says that the first place that goes is God and then to you. Now it actually doesn't really plainly specify but the reason that we do that is ultimately for those in the world because if I am doing what I ought to do letting my example of love be without hypocrisy for you that is going to extend then out into the community is it not I appreciate Dan's prayer this morning because one of the things that he had mentioned there is that we sin we need God's help not to sin amen that's the aim of this lesson today is to help you do specifically that because the title of it is uh, our lesson today is a personal response to evil verse 9 it says let love be without hypocrisy that's the motivating thing that's what motivated Christ to go to the cross for us. That, that's what motivated the disciples to continue their ministries and write the things that we have. Uh, it's what really should motivate us to be the kind of people we are uh, for each other, for God. The second aspect about verse 9 uh, is what we're going to focus on because it says, Abhor evil. That word abhor, it means to hate. It means to hate to the point we shudder. We need to hate evil. And there is absolutely not enough hating evil going on today. Too many people like nasty stuff. Too many many people like being rude to each other, being hateful to each other, being mean to each other being wrong in their communities. The only way we're going to get around that is to teach people there's a better way. And that leads us to the second aspect of verse 9, where it says to cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. The idea of cling there, I, you know, I'm trying to think, what's a really good way to, to express or to illustrate this idea of cling? Because one of the words, a couple of the words that come from that word is, it means to be glued I I was a cabinet maker years ago, and there was a method of building drawers. Uh, There was actually a couple of methods. One, we would glue it and just stick them together, you know, put the corners together. Um, And that would last a while. If you want a drawer to stay, to hold its shape, you've got to use a dovetail joint. Uh, it, it, It sticks it together like this, but there's another way. I saw this in a video recently and I had to laugh. So these guys are out there they're putting down they're pouring a cement foundation for a house, you know, and the guy turns around and uh, the camera just kind of pans down and and you see the, where's my phone? You see the corner of his cell phone in that foundation. They didn't catch it in time because he goes to grab it. It ain't moving it is cemented to that foundation that's the idea that we need to have when it comes to clinging to what is good we need to grab hold of it and never let go now i mentioned that and i really want to stress that point because humans we have a tendency if you tell if you tell someone don't do something, I guarantee that's going to maintain their focus. There's all kinds of things the Bible says, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And, and that's true. That is true, because we ought not do those things. But the fact of the matter is that if we focus on those lists, that's what's ever going to be before our mind. And so we need to cling to what's good we focus our energies here it's going to draw us away from here right and so if we're focused here just like the Bible tells us these things are going to flee from us these temptations You know i i say all this and sometimes you know we might be thinking well you know it 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 sounds easy but is it you know that's really something that's up to you as you as you uh as as brother north pointed out in his path uh there this morning in bible class you know sometimes we go off that path but you know i want to tell you stay focused on that path because we're humans if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, his blood continually cleanses us every time we get off that path, right? So get back on that path. But, uh, you know, uh, Oscar Wilde, he said it like this. I can, uh, I can resist everything except temptation. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, one of the weapons that Jesus used, first and foremost, that we see, and there's two accounts of this in Matthew and Luke's gospel, where it uh, describes for us when Jesus was in the wilderness and, and he was tempted there. Um, but Luke's version in chapter uh, 4, verses 1 and verse 14, um, it says that he was praying. In verse 14, it says he's in the power of the Spirit. When we pray to God, there's a couple of things that are transpiring there. First and foremost, we are recognizing that God is God. If there's anybody that's going to help us in the here and now, it is going to be the creator of heaven and earth, right? Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what your situation is. It, it, it's, you know, if you're in that predicament, it's, it's actually better to pray before you get into the predicament. We know we're going to get in the predicament. We know it's going to happen. So let's be praying in preparation so that when we, when we get there, we're in the power of the Spirit to be able to overcome whatever the, whatever the devil's throwing at us. So Jesus prayed. And, and what were the three temptations that he faced? There was first of all, he, uh, uh, the saint says, "If you're the Christ, prove it." And this is a situation of identity. It really is, because when the devil points that question to Jesus, he wants to sow a seed of doubt in there, right? If you're the Christ. So Jesus might, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, Jesus didn't have any doubt as to who he was. But the point is, that's one of the things that happens when we're tempted, you know that? Oh, you ain't much of a Christian. I mean, really, look at what you're doing right now before the creator of heaven and earth. You are violating his will. You aren't much of a Christian. You might as well give up. That's what he does. You know, uh, I'm reading a, a diet book, and, and actually the authors of this book, they would give me a hard time if I used that word diet because they say it's not a diet. It is a, uh, their book is a cognitive behavioral way of relearning how and what to eat. And so I'm learning that I got to stay away from Valentine's candy. Whew. My wife bought me a box. I didn't know I didn't know Ferrera Rocher made those gift boxes. That was just flat delicious. So anyway, I have set back my insulin normality numbers three weeks. That's all right. I'm back on that path. Uh, because I know what my goals are. And we know that we are children of God and we have to tell ourselves that frequently. I am a child of God and I am going to follow a right path, a right way, a right course. I'm going to do my best to stay on that path. The second way that Jesus was tempted had to do with uh, being a shortcut of glory, a shortcut to glory. Uh, It it was a matter, it was really a matter of power and greed. Power and greed, supplanting God. If I've got the power to be able to do what it is that I want to do, then I don't yet, what do I need God for? Brother North in class this morning used an illustration about getting off that path. He says, I got a four-wheel drive. I can go anywhere I want. And I'll tell you something about four-wheel drive. All a four-wheel drive does is get you stuck deeper in the woods. (laughs) Know what I mean? For someone that owned a Jeep when I was young and did stupid stuff, I am telling you, that's what happened. Because when I got stuck once, the tow driver that came there to pull me out, he said, if you were two feet farther in, I would not have been able to pull you out. He had 60 foot of cable on the front of his, on uh, on his winch. I was at 59 feet. Third temptation that came before Christ was basically, let's see if God will help you, which is really nothing more than imposing our will upon God. Kind of like that first one, but there's some little differences there. So I want to share with you at this point some common temptations that we deal with. This is, this is a short list. And there is a passage another passage in Romans Chapter 6, verse 1. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. No, we're not supposed to do that. But I think one of the reasons Paul shared that for that audience at that particular point was that there there were people who didn't need a whole lot of grace. Uh, I was in the military with a good man. He was a good man. He was a kind man. He was a godless man. If it would have. There really would not have been much changing that he would have needed to do in his life coming to Christ. He would have really only maybe needed this much grace. Uh, But Paul would tell you that he was chief among sinners, he needed this much grace. Uh, you know, so this list that I go through, it's, it, it may be something you don't have a struggle with. Because that's something that, like scripture says, has already fled from you, right? But I may share something today that, uh, and if I'm stepping on your toes, good. Because sometimes we need our toes stepped on to wake us up, right? Get us on that right path. Let us never turn away the chastisement of God. Amen. Money. 1 First, uh, uh, First Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. It tells us here But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. <clears throat> and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. And that's true. A lot of folks have done that. We are mindful of Achan. Joshua, uh his book tells us that whole story in chapter seven. But in but it is the summation of what he did that Joshua shares in chapter 22, verse 20. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, act unfaithfully into things under the ban and wrath fall on all the congregation of Israel? And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. Sometimes that happens. You know, when a person has a... Love of money, and they want more of that money, and they take some of their hard-earned money and go to the casino to try and get more money. I, Sherry and I, when we lived in a small town in Montana, there was a family that moved there and began worshiping with us, and the the one of the sister, her her mom did not attend worship, but her mom moved up there too, and she. She came one day and said, you know, I, I don't know what to do about my mom. She came here and started going to the casinos. And the first week, she won 1200 bucks. And so that kind of, what that does in our brain, there's a chemical that's released, endorphins. When we get into a habit and that is released, it's, it's almost like heroin. And so we've got to have more of that. And so she kept going and it wasn't maybe five, six weeks later she won another six, seven hundred bucks she was sold from that point on she lost and she lost and she lost and she lost and she couldn't get anything back she lost more than what she won and she kept losing and her her daughter you know told me we don't know what to do uh, that's that's kind of what happens. Here's another one. Altered reality. Parents and I'm not even going to stick this just to the parents but it's just something we all need to be aware of. There uh, There is a phenomena that is going across the globe, has been for years since the invention of this thing it is an altered reality uh, ephesians five eighteen it It tells us there that drunkenness that inebriation is it's not a good thing it it says that it leads it leads into wild living. One version says, uh, but that is not the only kind of inebriation that takes place. We know that drunkenness is a, it creates an altered reality well if if, if you've ever been drunk, and I'll tell you, I came out of a life that was not Christian. I know what it's like to be stupid, drunk. Thank God. That's behind me. Uh, but when people pick up these phones and they start doing these games and things on there, they, they, they get stuck on there. And I learned this. I'm, I'm going to confess my relaxation addiction when I come home from work I'll sit down to the computer for about a half an hour Uh, actually it won't let me go much longer than that thank goodness I play Candy Crush alright I admit it I have just diminished my whatever view I had in your mind Uh, anyway uh, But I I learned something about that. You know that they designed that game to fire off those endorphins just like other things? So I come back, and I come back, and I come back. And every time I clear that screen, whether I realize it or not, there's been a victory. That victory registers in my mind as uh, that, that chemical endorphin going through my body. And so it will have me coming back. I quit this game a few years ago when I got to level 500 or so. I'm now at level 2300 and something. Do you think I'm addicted? Maybe. I hope that I can continue control it so it's not taking me away from other things that i ought to be doing point is kids are involved in games that are killing people here's an example in arkansas in 2007 a 16 year old killed three police stole a cop car and he said life is like a video game you have to die sometimes His video game of choice was Grand Theft Auto. At that point in 2007, Grand Theft Auto sold 30 million copies. Here's another sin ego. Uh, you know, in in uh, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they they were full of themselves, and you know, they saw something good uh, going on, and they wanted to be a part of that, but they only wanted to be a part of that in a small way. You know, so they, so they sold some stuff, and they gave some stuff to the church, and and, and and when questioned about it, yeah, this is what we sold it for, uh-uh, Holy Spirit knew different They lied to the Holy Spirit, and they died by that same Spirit. We should never allow our ego write checks. We simply cannot cash. Uh, Pride is one. Remember when Herod, he stood at his rostrum i think the king james version uses there in acts chapter 12 verses 21 through 23 and and he gave this great oration and and the people were so awed by the things they said and 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 they were saying he's god and rather than this man praise the good lord for the words that he was able to encourage the people by he accepted their accolades and he also died pride's not good either sex there are two sins on my list today which are kind of kind of difficult and the reason is cuz we're humans there's some babies in this audience and Maybe this is kind of PG. Maybe. I'll leave it as this. We know how the baby got here. Amen? God says that sex is good when used in the way that God said to use it. When he told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply the earth, he was saying that to a husband and a wife. Right? Right? When Jesus was questioned about why Moses gave them certificates of divorce, he said, because of the hardness of your heart. But he said, with God, it has never been this way. And what Jesus is saying there is that when you get married, you get married and stay married. And don't have sex outside of marriage. There's another one, and that's that's gluttony. I like food. Who does not like food? Oh, you're pulling my leg, there, youngin. (laughs) I don't like food, and she's got her snack bag right here. (laughs) She's chowing down. I'm telling you. What kind of snack? I love gummy, those gummy thing. Anyway, uh, yeah, I we, uh, yeah, we know what that's like. And, you know, have you you've heard this right? You know how to tell if a woman's from the Church of Christ? She's got a Bible in one hand and a nine by thirteen cake pan in the other. We do some good potlucks. And I'll tell you, that was one of the things that got me into church because when I was in the military doing my own thing, someone said, why don't you come to church? We're going to have a meal there. And I'm thinking, let's see, chow hall or food that's home cooked? You know where I went. And thank God I also got some word of God. So, you know, we like food, but it's something we got to keep in control. You know, just so there's 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 that one there there's there and there's other things on the list that we could talk about so we got these common temptations let me share with you some uncommon ways of resist, resisting temptation we know that first one from when Jesus was in the wilderness what did he do he prayed he prayed he he prayed he prayed all the time he prayed a lot and then when he was done praying he what did he do he prayed some more that's why the Thessalonians passage says, pray without ceasing. And there are times when I will admit that I'm involved in something and can, would you ask me, is there a prayer on your mind? I would tell you at that point, no, there's not a prayer on my mind. I think the Thessalonian passage is, uh, is there to tell us that we always must maintain a spirit of being able to prayer at any given time. Pray. All the time it is so beneficial to the soul uh, and it's powerful. we got to use the Word of God. that was what Jesus did right? you know honestly these things that I'm gonna uh, that I'm sharing with you, you you know these things pray, read your Bible. why do we read the Bible? Because we want to improve our faith with God Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, uh, uh, faith comes by. Uh, hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we get that. What about the armor that, that Paul told the Ephesians to wear? We're familiar with that, that clothing there. Why do we wear that? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. What world force is that if not Satan throwing his darts of temptation at me all the time? You know, the Second Corinthians chapter 10, let me read this one too. And then, uh, because this has to do with the weapons that God would have us use. We have that armor, we have that clothing that we ought to wear, and, and, and it's only right to do that. But in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, it says here, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of this, uh, not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We know these things. You know there uh, in if you watch programming that is uh some show overseas whether it's overseas anywhere americans are often portrayed as being boisterous people right and i i I don't think that that's necessarily wrong because you know we 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 like to have fun we like to enjoy life and i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that but the problem is, as outgoing as they may think we are, you know that we really are a closed-in bunch of people? We don't like airing our laundry, do we? We don't like telling everybody my weaknesses. We don't like telling everybody that the things that I've done wrong. Am I right? Folks, that's not a good thing that's a bad thing that's a horrible thing that is a thing that slaps James right in the face because what did James tell us if any man among you sins the effective prayers of a righteous man avail much right that man ain't going to pray unless you're letting him know what he needs to pray for. Yeah. Very important that we try to get out of ourselves and, and use some more of these weapons that are available to us. And one of those weapons is the prayer that someone else might offer, offer for me. And, and here's one reason why. I, I told you a little bit about my background. Uh, I am an alcoholic. I, I am a 37-year uh, sober individual. Do you think I might be able to offer some insight to an individual that's struggling with alcohol abuse? So if he or she comes up and says, you know, I've got this situation. I might be able to offer a prayer that they may not have considered that would be very encouraging to them. That's why it's important for us to just get out of ourselves sometimes. You know, if I'm got my I love my mother-in-law, she's got some of these uh, down home sayings, and you know she says, "Go butt a stump." you know, and it's kind of like it you're hitting your head and you know it's not doing anything and and but we like we do that when we've got this struggle that we're faced with and we don't want to seek the kind of help that God has for us, and so I just continue butting my head against a stump. All it's going to do is cause me more headaches. And the issue is still going to be there. Has anybody ever heard the name Portia Nelson? Portia Nelson... Uh, she was a, an actress, a singer, a dancer, a songwriter, uh, and she was also an author. To close today, I'm going to read her entire five-chapter book. Okay? It goes like this. I think we'll all be able to relate. Chapter 1. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost, I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. There's still one more chapter, though. She writes... I walked down another street. Porsche's book is so true to the point. We all personally face evil. It's important for us to be able to fight that evil God's way. Clean to what is good. Focus on a good love for each other and everybody else in the world. Amen? If there is any way that we can be an encouragement to you today, if you have a struggle that you're having a difficult time getting through, please come forward so that we can help you and encourage you down a right path. If you don't know who Jesus is, but you've heard about a salvation that he alone offers, Brother North is right. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you want to go to God, you've got to go through Jesus. We can tell you how to do that too. So if there's any way at all that we can help you in your walk with Christ, please come forward while we stand and sing.